In this episode, we talk about inclusion and accessibility in higher education settings. Alongside the hosts, our guest, Professor Rick, also an avid content creator and TikTok educator discusses approaches, tools, and mindsets for equity in college. Please remember that all the opinions you hear on our show, whether from our hosts or guests, are their own. They don't represent anyone else's views or endorsements. So listen in for fun and learning, or remember, it's all up to you how you use it. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on this adventure. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this next episode of Yes to Inclusion. Today we're going to be talking about higher education, um, accessibility and inclusion in the college classroom. Today we have a guest, Professor Rick Carr. Hello, Um, thank you for having me. If you'd like to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what your vision is for your students, and where people can find you and follow you. Okay. So uh, I, I guess I'm gonna. I guess I, I just go by Professor Rick because that's what my students call me. So that's sort of like evolved into into my name. But um, okay. So wait a minute. What was the first? Give me the first two questions. <laughs> Who are the first two? <laughs> Who are you and what do you do? Who are okay? So uh, yes. So I'm Professor Rick and I teach uh, English, but I've taught mostly developmental English for the last 15 years. Um, in the last five or so, I've gotten more into, you know, literature courses and, and composition and things like that. But like, uh, definitely developmental English was my, was my thing. And I also think that in that, in that particular kind of class, you're also, um, you're also dealing with a lot of learning disabilities and things like that. So that's something that you see like an excessive amount of in that particular group. So I think for me, it's been easier for me to focus on that kind of a thing, um, you know, because I've, I've been in that environment for, for so long. What else was there? I'm sorry. Okay. Just for those that don't know, most colleges have a, those supplemental English courses. <laughs> so what's your vision for students and where can people find you and follow you? Okay. What is my vision for students? So I guess, um, so I guess we're talking about education. Like, where, where, where do I, what do I see for them? Um, for me, I feel like education is sooner or later going to move into a fully online modality, whether people like it or not. And I think that the pandemic just lit a fire under that and made it happen maybe a little bit prematurely because we've got a lot of people who can't seem to handle this shift. Um, but like, I feel a hundred percent sure like it was always going to go in that direction one way or the other um you know i'm like the type of person who drives around and looks at stores and i go i don't know why we need any of these anymore like i don't know what we need a storefront business for at all almost anymore you can run almost anything out of your house now and education being online is not like it's not a new idea even it's just something that the evolution of it is just really really started to get cool Um, But like, I feel like, you know, the first time that 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 we could get online and communicate with one another, we were already doing e-learning, you know, like we were that was already happening. So like when we go into the pandemic and and everybody's got to go home and everybody's got to teach remotely, I just go, oh, so we're stepping we're finally stepping into the future. That is what we're going to do. Um, And then you've got, you know. And I'm sorry if this offends people, but like you have a lot of teachers who are just not ready for that step or they're not prepared for that step. So too many teachers, I think, love the, the there's two things that that, that hurt the, the community here and they're ridiculous. And one of them is nostalgia. And the other one is 
Well, no, I guess it's just all this. I was going to say another version of nostalgia, but basically it's all nostalgia. You got a lot of teachers that want to walk around in front of a classroom with a tweed jacket and they want that look and they want that feel and they, they love that. But I just don't feel like that's that's really the reality of the world anymore. I also feel like you get more you get more often you get better results online. I understand it's not perfect. I understand that like people can cheat and all this, but like, I also feel like you have the ability to curb that and check that and check your students. And if your students respect you, you're going to get less of that. But I feel like teaching online is really the, the best thing too, because teaching remotely, it's like my students can go back and watch my classes over and over again. If I nail a lesson, I can take that lesson. I can cut out highlights of it and reuse it elsewhere. Everything we've ever done is accessible you know, all the time, it's always there. And you can add all levels of accessibility to it when you do it remotely. Now, again, I also understand that there, the argument is going to be that there's some classes you just can't do online. And the only thing I have to say about that is for now, just for now, even nursing classes, things that you have to be hands-on with, I give it less than 10 years before you can put on a pair of glasses and a pair of gloves where you can reach out and touch something that's not there and work with something that's not really there that's all digital. I think we're that close. And I think people need to get prepared prepared for that future. Yeah. I think because a lot of I people think, are really unprepared. <laughs> You're gonna be the awesome instructional that. designer with that attitude. That that is that is an amazing attitude to have. This is definitely uh, I know when I first started teaching, you know that that when you start teaching, you think that, okay, I'm in charge and I'm going to teach the way I want to teach. And they're going to deal with that. That's an attitude. I think that many still have. Yeah. And dealing with students with disabilities is what actually changed that for me is yeah. when I started realizing that they, I was failing them and that they weren't sure. successful. Sure. I was like, okay, well I need to figure out then how do I change what I'm doing in a way that's better for everyone in the class. And that's not better for me in my my tweed jacket sure, and my sure. heels like walking right. around listening to myself talk. Right. Right. <laughs> and unfortunately it does it does get that way after a while too. I think that's yeah. what we're doing. We're walking around listening to ourselves talk because we're taking an old world idea and trying to apply it to a new generation that is just not interested in it. And 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 then teachers act like oh it's not my job to gamify a lesson. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it is your job to do that. It is your job to think about that and do that and, and make those changes. Um, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting off on a rant here or going in a wrong direction here <laughs> right. or anything, but like, it's like, it's like even teachers who get mad when they see a cell phone in a classroom. And I know teachers who are like that. I get it. I, I get your structure. I respect your, your rules of the room and what, what you believe makes people focus better, but you're really shying away like from one of the most incredible things that human beings ever made. Like if you ever wanted, if you ever wanted to walk around a room and have something in your hand that could enable you to do everything, you just got it. And now you're telling everybody to hide it in their pocket because you're afraid of the future. And like that, that like that just, I'm just not like that. I just don't think like that. Like if you're in my classroom, I want you to have your phone out on your desk. And if something happens, I want you to check your phone. Just check it real quick and put it down. Don't turn it into a whole thing. But I don't want you to pretend it's not there because it's, it's not my job to like change the fabric of, of society and, and like and like tell you it's wrong. And this is taking up all your time and all your attention. 
the phone is also just temporary, by the way. So it's like if you're a teacher and like you think the phone is the most annoying thing in the room you're ever going to have to deal with. Well, in five years, you're going to have students sitting in your classroom with contact lenses that can do anything, including record you up into a cloud somewhere. So how are we going to deal with that? So the best thing to do is to jump in front of that, not like try to stop it because you're never going to stop it. Never. (laughs) I know. Yeah. No, technology is just advancing. They even have like glasses these days that do crazy stuff. Sure. And a lot of people with disabilities, they thrive using technology. 100%. Technology is so important to their daily life. I always uh, make it a hard rule here in my house that You cannot take my autistic son's iPad or phone. Why? That's the only thing in life that he really controls. Everything else we control. So for that, when he has access to that, he has access to that. And it's not limited. It's not controlled by anyone else. That's a hard rule here. And I don't really care what anyone else thinks because they don't live here. And they don't have to, you know, this is our home. And we do that here because technology, I mean, People always, I get a lot of comments, the iPad's always in his face, or he's got the iPad connected to his head. And I'm like, okay, but do you know what he does every, like, for all the rest of the day? You know, he works really hard. So for when he's home and it's his free time, he gets to do what he wants to do. And, you know, people are really put off by technologies these days. And it's like, I just don't understand it either because do they not, have they not seen the massive increase in usage? I mean, it's not like people are not using it and not loving it, including the people that complain about it the most. (laughs) Sure. Their cell phones are like, I read this article in psychology today called, it's like cell phones are like teddy bears. It's like taking away their teddy bear apparently with the, when the Gen Z kids started coming into my class, things got different. Because I used to have the no cell phone rule, but then they started, we had to come up with essay topics and they started writing about the impact of their phone and they, they're aware of it. And it was just, I think when you stop making it a thing, it doesn't become a thing. Right, right. When you stop hyper-focusing on. Sure, sure. I mean, it is rude. There are instances where it feels rude. They're not listening. They're not paying attention, but. Hey, you're paying to be here. <laughs> you're paying. Yeah, right, 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 right. You're paying to be here. You don't want to listen to me. I mean, you're not getting your money's worth. See, I think again, I think if you if you if you're able to lay better ground rules in, on the first day, I think it goes better too. Like mm-hmm. for me, I'm just like I'm just like, hey, show of hands, how many people in here have a teacher that hates your phone? And the, all their hands go up. I go, great. Here's what I want you to do: put your phone on your desk, and if it goes off, I want you to just check it real quick and then put it back down. And I'm not going to call you out or give you a hard time. If you have a text or a phone call that you need to take care of, quietly get up and just walk out of the room, take care of it, and come back in and sit back down. And I'm telling you, I have no cell phone problems at all. Yeah, that's none good. at all. You know, and studies show that people get. Um, people's anxiety goes way up if they can't see their phone. Why am I making the classroom harder by raising everyone's anxiety? We all have anxiety problems as it is now. Like, yeah, we all do. Like, not just Gen Z, all too. of us. Huh? Like, I have to have access to my phone too. I've, Me too. My kid's school's calling. I need to. Sure. So I try not to be a hypocrite in the classroom but, too. <laughs> but the argument always is, well, we didn't always need that. Don't act like you wouldn't have used it if you had it at the right. time. Right, you didn't oh, yeah. always need it, but did you want it? <laughs> right, right. Wouldn't it have been nice? Do you have it? <laughs> right. And I just wanted to comment too, Kirby, on um, – I'm sorry, you said your your son with the, with the iPad? Yes. I, I also would imagine that it probably helps him focus and helps him with creativity a lot too. Oh, yeah. It's taught – and that – people have a lot of uh, opinions, but that iPad has taught him a ton. 
I am telling you, he has, he knows the Russian alphabet because wow. he will watch a related video to the, you know, and then just memorize it. Right. And I mean, I've had neurologists videotape him during EEGs because the way he just learns from that iPad was fascinating to them. And they're like, can we yeah. videotape? I'm like, sure, whatever you want to do. <laughs> and also, by the way, um, technology is the reason why we have all these um uh, little geniuses running around. Every time you see a four-year-old sit down in front of a piano and play Beethoven, a lot of that is because he stared at his iPad and watched the video enough times and just figured it out because he's a knowledge sponge. And like... 100%. Yeah. You know? So... Definitely. It's not really the tech that's the problem. It's what we do with it. And what right. you you know what you, yeah. what you allow your kids to do with it. It's not the tech itself. Yeah. It's how we use it too. It's I think the most important thing that they were throughout the pandemic had to tell people was how to use it as a tool, not a barrier. <laughs> so right, right, because that's what it can be. I mean, I tell my students the same thing too. You know, it's like when you go, if you're going to go to a computer and type, make sure you're working, not looking at rims for your car. I always say that I don't know why they look at rims for their car all the time. I don't know if that's just like a thing that eighteen-year-olds do, but they're always looking at rims for their car. So random. But, yeah. <laughs> must be nice or they're looking mm. at tiktok so that, that's you know something really cool that you've done to get in their space yeah uh, yeah i love i love i love it tiktok's another thing too man like so so yeah so i make tiktok lessons like little mini lessons and at first i, yeah, I, we, I saw some of them i love them oh thank and you it, it's funny because i do instagram reels and everyone's like why don't you do tiktoks because they're easier and i'm like are you sure they're easier and it, it's like i was like and they're like yeah you could take the real you did and put it on tiktok yeah I was and like, vice oh. versa yeah, <laughs> yeah right oh. and i love it man and i and like i love the challenge of having to put together a lesson in that amount of time like what can i teach somebody in under three minutes can i can i do this lesson in under three minutes and then it's always accessible it's just a little snap lesson that somebody can can access you know what i mean so you know and that's another thing too is tiktok when i started doing TikTok, it was being TikTok was received the way all social media is received when it's new. Oh, what are you on there for? It's just a bunch of kids. It's just another stupid thing. It's just, dude, when a new piece of, of uh, when a new app like that starts to blow up, you should get involved in it and learn how it works instead of sitting on the outskirts and wondering whether or not Justin Bieber's on it or whatever is going on with stupid things somebody's doing with it. Because nine times out of 10, by the time everybody figures out that the app is actually cool. You're like way past the prime of it. It's already made its millionaires. It's already has all of its, you know, all its established people on it. And then people start flocking to it. But I don't know, man. I saw it and I was like, I think I could do something fun with this. And again, something that's accessible all the time and all over the place. And I also feel like I'm 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 contributing to open resources by doing it too. So. Yeah. What yeah, I I've learned doing. a ton on TikTok, actually. Now that I've downloaded the app, like I've learned recipes. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the accessibility of the the lessons that you can learn on a platform like that is yeah. amazing. It, I, I think it's funny that people shy and run from it. Yeah, and they think about accessibility over there too, which you can tell by the way it's put together. I mean, the fact that, that their closed captioning is as good as it is, is almost impressive impressive like i can't believe how how efficient it is so yeah what i see with your tiktoks is what i think is cool is there's all this talk right now and it i hate buzzwords i always talk about how i hate buzzwords if they're not used don't say you do something if you don't do it the way that you're using it is almost like differentiation like you're showing the students 
the different in little bite-sized pieces the grammar mistakes that they're making yeah. and these grammar mistakes are really hard to teach how yes. to overcome them because there's all this research that you're not supposed to teach grammar separate from their own writing but when you put it on tiktok and make it entertaining you're really it's memorable and then when they're writing they're able to be like oh wait punk rock professor rick said sure you know they are <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of psychology in there that that helps too i think because um i don't know if you guys have ever have ever seen this anywhere but like they say if like if you see a picture i don't know how to word it if you see a picture of words the words will actually stick in your head ex like extremely better than if like you just read them on a paper so there's something about tiktok where if you sit down and you watch somebody perform this out i feel like it's 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 easier to remember than being like here's a workbook figure it out you know what i mean here's a workbook we're gonna we're gonna go through this like we've been doing for 200 years like yeah 100 <laughs> you know? my autistic son would not know the russian alphabet if we handed him a workbook right he's right. entertained he's enamored in what he's watching and that's it he soaks it up sure sure and and you know and i tried to take I try to take my personality as a professor in the classroom and try to adapt that to TikTok, um, you know, as well, because I've had, I think in the last five or six years out of 15 years of teaching, I really just figured out something about myself as a teacher and like who I was and just decided to just like be like completely myself in the classroom. And, and I try to be, I try to make my lessons entertaining. Like, I think that's important. I think they should be entertaining. I think you should be excited when you're in front of a room. And I think that that, that speaks to everybody in the room when you're like that, you know, like I've had students with autism who come to me and, and they will tell, they will self-identify it immediately. And they'll, and then they'll tell me their list of struggles. I can't do this because of this. I can't do this because of this. And I'm like, all right, well, we're going to see how you do in my room. And I try to be as animated as humanly possible. And I get great, great results from all students when I'm when I'm just fully myself and I'm completely open to everything too. I also don't care about a lot of little rules that other teachers care about. So that's that's a thing too. <laughs> no, definitely. And in in higher education, it's important to know there is no special ed. It is right. everyone in the same classes. It's like fully integrated. Sure. And students do not have to identify themselves. That I think right. is one of the biggest struggles is they hand you a form from disabilities offices. And this is the same at all the colleges I've gone to. They'll hand you a form that says I need, and it's very standard things. Yep. It'll be like, I need extra time. And half the time I'm like, well, how much extra time? I need this. I need to record your lessons. I need to do this, this, and this. And I just take the full on. I usually just, whenever I get those, even from the beginning, I'm usually just do the full on UDL thing. I'm like, well, all right, then everyone has extra time every we're just gonna sure make why it not? accessible for everybody then like yeah why not i try to just make it i don't want you to feel like you have to identify yourself if you don't want to sure it's an, I agree and they that. don't tell you what they have either they'll just be like oh i need extra time you don't know why like sure. you're not privy to the things that k-12 teachers are privy to where they see this whole 30 page document about all your evaluations and things you don't get that information so sure. if students don't want to identify themselves because they're uncomfortable they don't want to be treated differently it becomes a different beast trying to figure out how to make sure that everyone in your class is going to succeed. Right. And, and, and I like what you said too, about giving everybody extra time because, you know, I feel, I just feel the same way. Like I said before, like, I don't, I adhere to, 
it's not they don't adhere to any rules. Like there has to be, you have to be able to measure success. So I understand that. But like, if you come to me and say, look, I'm in a situation where I might need extra time. I go, I would have given you extra time anyway. Like, yeah. like I want you to do well. I'm not here to trick you. I'm not here to like, you know, like try to get you and like with a test or something like I want you to do well, no matter what that means. Oh, you need an extra week to write this paper. Okay, mm -hmm. let's pick a day. What's reasonable? Is there anything in your life going on that you'd like to tell me about that's making this difficult for you? But students come to me and be like, listen, listen, I, I, was, I, I lost my house yesterday. I've been living in my car, but I swear to God, I'll have this paper to you tomorrow. And I go, no, 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 no. You're not going to have the paper to me tomorrow. You're going to get it to me at the end of next week because I want you to fix your house situation. I want you to take the time to be able to think and take a deep breath for yourself and approach the assignment as as best as you can. And if you need anything, you just ask me, you know, so, so I don't know, that's just, you, you said the yeah. thing about, about the, you know, about the extra time. And it's just like, whenever anybody hands me a form like that, I, I just take it and I go, you, you, just so you know, anything that you need, you come to me and you ask me, you don't have to do it here. You can email me. You can visit me in my office. We can talk after class, anything you want. You got it. Yeah. Well, there's this whole thing too in higher ed about, you can't give anybody special treatment. So I always, if one student has this dramatic thing and they need more time, I'll be like, everyone in the class, you want, you need an extra week. Those that didn't do it, you want to redo it. People also say I'm nuts because I get students who will not do well in their essays yeah. and I will let them revise it until they're happy sure. with their grade. Yeah. And people think that's crazy, but no, if you want to revise, I had one student this semester who revised the same essay like seven times and people are like, you regraded it seven times. And I'm like, Hey, she wanted to, she wanted to be a top writer in the class. Right. Who am I to stand in your way? Like you want, right. you want to grow yourself as a person. You have these goals for yourself. Why would I, why, right. why is it my job to hinder that? So right. my ultimate goal is that you are better at this in the yeah. end. You want to retake a test? Go ahead. Like, right. I mean, we're not going to get ridiculous here to, I don't know. You have to like have a limit at some point, but absolutely. Sure. <laughs> if you want to retake a test because you had a bad day. Okay. Sure. I'll let you retake the test. I don't mind at all. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel no, like no. It's my, not crazy. my goal is to teach you not to, not to scrutinize you and, and penalize you for things. Right. This is not the military and we're not in jail. And, and, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing that at all. Like it's, it, it's, it's become so many classrooms to me are like a system of nothing but rules. And I'm like, I hate but, rules. So. But we need we need room for growth. We need. We do. I, That's I, true inclusion because yeah. some of the rules, some people can't follow those rules, and not because they don't want to follow the rules, they just can't. Like my son cannot sit in his chair sure. for the entire day at school. That's just not going to happen. Sure. It's not realistic, sure. and it's not fair to set him up for you know failure. Sure. before he even tried right i want you to be in the best environment for you i have even done writing assignments where halfway through the class i've said everybody stand up grab all your stuff go to your favorite place on campus and write and come back here in 45 minutes and i've yeah. done things like that too and like because your environment should be amazing like you should feel the best that you should feel the most clear-headed that you can be like and it's not even it's it's and again like i'll get accusations that i'm lenient I'm not lenient. Like I, I am, it's not the same thing. And I'm going to tell you what else too. I have almost no discipline, discipline problems. I have great retention rates. My students are always on time. And if they're not, then I know something's wrong. 
something's wrong with that individual. So like in their life, something's wrong. Something's gone. Can I tell you a quick story about something like that that happened yeah, to me once? Absolutely. So I had a student once who she was a she was probably one of the best writers in the class. And she was like absent every other week. And it just didn't make any sense to me because how could you, first off, what are you doing in developmental? You're, you're, I think you're past that already. So something got you here and you're, you're a good writer. What is happening? So one day she comes, she, she comes in and I, I just said, Hey, can we talk? And I, and I, you know, we went off to the outside the classroom to talk and I said, is, are you all right? Like, is everything okay? Like, cause you're absent every other week, but you're, you know, when you do hand in work, it's great. So I'm just curious what, you know, if you need anything, is there anything I can do? And she was like, I don't have a car and my family doesn't have any money and I'm forced to take the bus here. And when the bus is, this is what she said to me. When the bus is a little late, I don't come to class because I'm afraid of coming into class late. And I said, well, I don't know what's ever happened to you in a classroom in your life that you were afraid to go to class. I was like, but do you don't ever have to worry about that with me? Now that I know this, when you walk in late, I'm not going to say a word about it. And then when everybody starts writing, I'm going to go over and catch you up with what you missed in those 15 minutes if it's important. Because now I know what's going on. And I know, and I also feel like at a community college level, the word community gets left out too often with people. And it's like, dude, like that's, that's what this is. You need to be able to make certain concessions, I think, for people who are going through something because people at community colleges go through things. <laughs> they yeah, go through a I, lot. I just don't understand the fixation either. I remember being in college when I was back in my 20s, early 20s. And I, I went to the bathroom because this one professor, man, he was talking for like two hours and I had to go to the bathroom <laughs> and he locked me out of the class. That's ridiculous. And my purse was in there. So I had to, of course, stay and wait another hour to get my purse. That's ridiculous. And then he was like, don't ever leave my class again. And I remember I dropped his class and I was like, screw this guy. Like, I'm not like, who the hell are you to tell? Yeah. Like that it was just un it's so unnecessary. Totally and I, unnecessary. I didn't I didn't tolerate it and I didn't put up with it. And I left. That's and some that was, jacket energy right there. Right. And the problem is you get to pick your professors. You get to pick. Like you have a choice. You can literally right. register for whoever you want. And I right. never took that guy's class again. And back in, yep. what was it? I don't know. It was like 2002. I went on rateyourprofessor.com and I blew him up. <laughs> of course you did. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be you if you did it. <laughs> yeah, man. A lot of teachers, I don't care about that. You care about it a little bit. You care about it a little yeah. bit. Like Students ask me, they're like, oh, can I go to the bathroom? And I'm like, what do I care if you go to the bathroom? Yeah, I've had students answer it too. I go, yeah, you're yeah, an adult. Course. You can go to the bathroom. I don't need to know about it. Yeah, go to the bathroom. I don't I don't know. Yeah. How about all you guys hold on? I need to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, go. I don't, whatever. But they come from an environment where like you gotta you gotta get a pass, and then there's a guard in the hall, and then there's another guard at the end of the hall, and then yeah, you know, it's like high school's like know. you know, yeah. There's like police at high school now. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it is crazy. That's just not the environment I, I create. No, I, I don't think I could. I don't think I could do high school. I feel like I feel I'd, I'd, I'd be getting day. in trouble for yep. being too lenient and just not. I feel not like the second I open my mouth, the second I open my mouth and I say something that I don't like about the situation around me, I'd be done. I'm like, so this is what they want me to do. 
and then I'd be fired. <laughs> this is what I'm actually going to do. Right. This is what I'm <laughs> actually going to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm rules are meant to be broken. So <laughs> yeah, just I've always lived that right. mantra. So just break them right. That's all. I right. think rules are just, they're also something I feel creates so many barriers for everybody. Sure. That's why I guidelines know, are better. I don't know. Guide, I, guidelines are better than rules. I've also let my students be part of the class rules. So I'm like, well, let, let's make them together. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Let's make them together. What, what, yeah. what do you not like? What are your expectations of me? Cause I've had students too, especially some of the older returning students are expecting me to be in the tweed jacket now talking at them for two hours yeah. and they'll get disappointed when we're, when I'm kind of flipping the class a little bit and being like, okay, well, you were supposed to read this passage. Right. Now let's talk about it. Right. Instead of me reading it to you. Right. Unless, right. I mean, unless it's Walt Whitman and we're going outside. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a different story, but. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I generally am not reading it to you unless we're listening to cool audio clips and whatnot. But yeah. I think it's interesting seeing how much the classroom keeps changing. I'm yeah. when we first started with uh, COVID, I was like concerned and I was like, I don't know how they're going to make this work. But yeah. then you would see the great teachers come out and you could visibly see a difference. And the teachers that were on board and with the virtual and like, right. okay, this is the situation. I'm going to make this work because this is what we're doing now. Yeah. And then yeah. the others that were had like, no, I mean, it was like, I had to almost sit on my son to make him attend because otherwise he was like dropping to the floor, trying to leave because right, right. it wasn't engaging. Right. But then you would see like his PE teacher and like, that would be something really difficult to do online. Sure. Oh no, this man had the kids up. He had his music going in a colorful nice. background, like a ridiculous jumping on a trampoline. Love it. And the kids awesome. 45 minutes later, I was like, I can't believe he's still doing that. But yeah. <laughs> that's the evolution that I see happening. Totally. And I think um, even when I was in college, we were doing a lot virtually where it was so different now it's not an age where it wasn't interactive it was just kind of like you know the blackboard you get your lesson sure. you do that but it was not interactive where i feel like uh we could really make education accessible if it was truly interactive yeah i agree yeah definitely I and you can definitely see the line in the sand between the past and the future when it when it, when we went remote as well and you can see that some teachers are on board and some aren't and and well and, and and some places are really missing their moment here with this because it's like okay well we're sort of in an environment now where we need three modalities we need remote e-learning and which i think are related to one another i think that they're sort of loosely separate um and face-to-face -face learning and I just don't, I just feel like schools right now should be making a bigger effort to make all three available. If a teacher is specifically good at this, in this modality, then utilize that for your school and your students. If they're, if they're the type that, that can't do this and don't like this and they want to be in front of a classroom, then let them be in front of a classroom, but like open up, open up the channels because there's a lot of students who need this like this or they like this like this and it's because in, and if a teacher is good at for me and i'm sorry i don't mean to sound like an arrogant you know 
jerk when I say this, but for me, <laughs> when, when we went remote, I almost felt unfairly prepared for remote because like, I'm already a streamer and I'm like, I'm already like a broadcaster and a podcast. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm ready to do this. Like I I can already do this. This is great. And I'm like, and I already learned things myself this way all the time. Every bit of video editing I've ever learned was all online learning. It wasn't, you know, all of that. So even putting all of this, all the whole studio together, like that was all, that was all me learning from remote learning and learning online. So a lot of schools, I think are missing their moment right now, trying to force everybody to go back. It's a really old idea and they need to like loosen that a little bit all over the place because we needed this modality long before the pandemic came along. Students with disabilities needed this a long time ago. You know, every time I see a student struggling to get to the third floor of a building when it would just serve them much, much better if they could stay where they're where they're healthiest and happiest and most comfortable and be able to learn. Then I don't get why, why that's not being pushed out there more. If you care about accessibility and you want to be when it comes to disabilities, something Please, please forgive me if the statistic is wrong, but something like 70% of them are, are invisible. People walk around carrying things with them that you can't see. And a lot of them loved and appreciated it this way. They needed it this way. Not to mention, you've also got two years worth of now PTSD that's running rampant through our entire population of what's going on. And a lot of people, you know, I've had students whose parents died from this pandemic. They don't want to be in a room full of strangers right now. Like if they want to continue school, they need this. They love this, you know, and, and when it comes to students with disabilities, again, this is great because now when you record a lesson and you put it out there, it's accessible to them all the time. They can go back and watch it again. They can critique it. They can refine their questions. You can refine your lessons better that way by watching yourself. Even if you think it's weird or embarrassing to watch it. I've gotten yeah. that too from teachers. I can't stand watching myself. Well, do something about it. I don't know. <laughs> Change. I think that yeah, how, do you <laughs> how do you get better? <laughs> right. right now, this whole, this other, this other thing that I find, especially like from the instructional design point of view, this whole hybrid situation where you're teaching to two audiences at the same time. Yeah, you should be getting it's a twice. whole other beast that that is, the, is not, successful, that. not successful in my opinion. Not successful. No, I have seen that when my son was doing the hybrid right my, i have a, i also have a neurotypical son so he was doing it and the days where they swap children the the teacher would be on the computer but you could tell she was in the classroom and teaching sure. yeah and like it was like so my son would have a question and he'd have to wait for her, push a thing on the computer. Ridiculous. Wait for her to even sure. like notice it because she's teaching sure. the children in the classroom. Right. And then finally, by the time he got to the question, I already answered the question for him because he's like, she's not listening to me, mom. Look, she's not paying me any attention. Right, and I right. don't even, like she went further and further. And like right. my son is very, you know, he has ADHD and he's like has anxiety. So he's like anxious that he's not going to get his question answered. And she's so far ahead of the lesson. Right. So I hate that uh, hybrid. I just it, think that if you're going to be focusing on the kids online, focus on the kids online. If you're going to be correct. focusing in the classroom, focus right. in the classroom. It's it's not engaging either. It's not no. interesting. It's just like you're, 
it's like something from 1982 where you're watching someone right. almost literally crazily, like behind from, a mirror teaching a class. I don't, I just don't see weird. value personally it, in it. It reduces the value of the class too. Like psychologically it does. Like if you walk into a room and you go, okay, I'm expected to be here. And then you look up on the, on the wall and there's a screen and you go, oh, I don't really have to be here if I don't want to be. I could just go home and do this. It something. If you have a class that's all remote and people go into it knowing that, that's different. But if you tell people they have to be in a room and then they look up on a screen and realize they don't have to really be there, you're, you're diminishing respect for the room. I don't know how to word it, but like psychologically, it does something. It reduces the value of the class to the to the student. But people don't think about because you don't that. feel active in the like you feel like you're being like you're watching a conversation that you're not part of the conversation. And right. I don't know that that can't be fixed or that maybe I need professional development on how to do it better. But I just don't when I've participated recently in situations like that. I didn't feel value for myself being part of it. And I don't see like my kids how to do some of that specifically like my high schooler. And I'm, I walk in his room, like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm in class. And I'm like, what's going on? I don't see anything happening. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, they're, they're taking a test. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? Weird. He's like, well, it's a written test. So I can't take it till tomorrow. So I'm like, so you're watching your classmates take a, take a what, test. What? 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 Yeah. I don't understand like why, yeah, I'm sorry, but those are not decisions. <laughs> the, the, that modality was not created by educators. It was created by administrators. A hundred percent. Okay. They want the, you're, you're there, you're in attendance. We want to justify that we have buildings here. So we need you to come here and use yeah. them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had this crazy idea. Like I just had this, this mindset that like all administrators should always have a foot in the classroom and have to teach a certain number of courses just so that they're up to date on what they're telling people to do. Cause I'm all about yeah. don't tell people to do something you don't know how to do or that you don't understand if you can't do it and model it. Totally agreed. <laughs> totally agreed. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry if you don't like what I said, but it's, it's the truth. I mean, that's even designing courses. I get to teaching them. I still under, I have to understand what the students needs are too. If I'm, if I just stop right. teaching and I only design courses, then how do I stay connected to understanding the needs of the classroom? Sure. I don't know. That's no, I think it does play a big part. And like, I've noticed my son's principal because we're so short staff these days mm. is in the classrooms a lot because we, uh, California has crazy vaccine mandates for uh, the employees of public schools or public universities. Sure. So they're, uh, it's been New a Jersey real crazy <laughs> yeah. uh, staff shortage situation. So sure. I've seen this principal, she's taught uh, second grade. I've seen her teach a uh, special day class, uh, third through fifth grade. I've seen her all over. Um, and I think it's refreshing because I think then she understands the support that the teachers really need. Sure. Yeah. 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 That That's true. It's sort of giving them an inside look at, at, at what's needed. Um, yeah yeah i was gonna say something but i lost it i don't know what it was <laughs> remember what it was um so can you tell us how you support students who need accommodations i how i support students who need it so 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 if a student comes to me and says they need something i just tell them anything that they need so if they need extra time they get extra time if they need extra time with me they get extra time with me um if they if they I don't ever want a student to feel 
like uh, they can't come to me for anything. And that really, because it, it upsets me when I know, um, you know, people who have college age kids at this point, and I hear stories about um, their kids being afraid of approaching their teacher or unable to approach their teacher. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, I know people with who have kids with, you know, autism and learning disabilities, and especially them, they feel awkward walking up to a teacher. I don't ever want that. Like, I want them to be able to talk to me in anything that I'm able to do. If I have to take a student and walk with them personally across the campus to find help for something, I will do that. Um, I just want to be accessible to them at all times, as helpful as I can be. And I don't, I also don't like to pretend that I have all the answers all the time, um, which is why I always say, tell me what you need. And if I can't help you, I will get you to somebody who can, you know, that's my, my approach. But, but yeah, if you walk in and you hand me one of those sheets, it's nine times out of 10, I just put the sheet down. And I go, anything you need, you get extra time. I will sit in this class, in this classroom in two hours after class is over. If that's what you need, I don't, I don't care. So that's amazing. So I'm asking this, this last question, cause I, yeah. this is kind of what's driven me was when this happened to me. Do you feel you've ever failed a student, especially like one with a mm. disability? Failed a student. Like not like actually failed them grade wise. No. Like actually like not been able to to help them. I remember when I first started teaching, it was a developmental course. Yeah. And I had this student who at the time I, I was not prepared for that student. And I think sure. I think it has driven a lot of the professional development I've gotten myself because I blame myself and I'm like I was not prepared for this and I tried so hard and the student dropped the course before I could really help them and I just felt so driven by not being equipped and not planning it was it was like that one student that changed my life to where okay why I'm not gonna wear the you know the tweed jacket and talk at you I need to figure out what you need yeah um so I'm not, this is a difficult question for me um, because I can, I can think of things that are, that are difficult to approach. Uh, I can think of one specific incident where I had a student with disabilities where I can't, I, I would be totally honest if I felt like I, I did something wrong, like totally honest. If I felt that way, I'm completely honest about myself. If I screw up, I own it. Like there was a case where I felt like the system failed one of my students dramatically. Um, I had a student who it wasn't, it wasn't autism. It wasn't just a learning disability. I had a student who he was in an adult body, but he basically had like the mentality of like a four or five year old, like that's as high up as he could go um, because of whatever was, was going on there. Okay. And I feel like, and again, I don't want to give away, I wouldn't give away any information about a, a student or their family or their faith or anything like that. But I do feel like part of the reason the student was there was because the parents um, culturally could not accept what the deal was and that the student, their their son needed an extra kind of help. Just pushing him into college was not going to be the answer. And I tried everything I could, but the thing was is, is there was a lack of control even in the room because he, um, like I said, his, his mind only developed to a certain age and then it kind of stopped there. So what was, what was happening then was, is the, the parents started writing all his work for him. And then his parents would come to my room and go, here's all his work. And, and I'm like, I can't, 
I don't know what to do here. I, I can't take this from you. I know he's not doing this. And then I, and then, and then it turned into a whole thing where I had to reach out to the disability department. Then they had to send a representative over to see what was really going on. The parents were constantly hanging out outside my, my room. They were looking in the windows the entire time. And it was just, um, that was one of the few situations that I was in where I really didn't know. There was really nothing for me to do other than to reach out for help and be like, somebody has to step in because this is not a learning disability issue. Like we have something way, we have something way more problematic going on here. So that was, uh, that was rough. And the only other time I could feel like where I get upset is in teaching, especially developmental English, you get to see people who come from a school system with money and a school system with no money. And you really, I could agree with that. You see I, that in the writing immediately. And yeah. that can be something that's also difficult because you're taking somebody with 13 years of the way they talk, the way they write. They've been pushed through the system that way, made to believe that they're fine. And then they, they come to you and you go, okay, I need to change the way you think about words at their root in order to get this to change. But, but I've had a lot of success with that too, even if a student needs a couple of, um, a couple of tries at it, I guess. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. Cause the, the one that I had, he could participate in class discussions and whatnot, but he couldn't write. And there was such a, I guess the ball had been dropped before. And I'm like, how did you get through not being able to write, but he was able to talk. And I look back now because it's almost a decade ago. And I'm like, could have had him do text to speech and started there. But there were just so much, so many things sure. I was just ignorant to at the time. Sure. And it's hard to, it's hard because the, the K to 12 system has these issues where if you're in second grade, they're going to teach you second grade material. If you don't know right. your alphabet, right. apparently that doesn't matter if you can't. Right. They're going to work on reading comprehension instead of the alphabet and not start right. where you are. They won't meet you where you are. They're going to, they're going to go where, where your age is. And that's right. just, I think that's more flexibility that we have, but we, also, we can't start a kindergarten in a college classroom. It's hard, which is where it's hard when the, the ball has been dropped. And then it's, it's hard. One of the first times I ever taught, you know, I think I was really, I was really ignorant to what it meant when people didn't know how to write. I, I like, I really didn't know what that meant. And then I had students that came from very, very poor backgrounds and I'd be like, all right, you have a half hour to write about this subject. And then they, you know, they sort of eke out two sentences that are illegible. And I'm like, man, and that was like, that was like one of the first times I ever stepped into a classroom and I was like, okay, I see, I see what the, I see what the challenge is now, you know, for all it's worth, you know? Yeah. Well, writing, I mean, not many, this is my own pedagogy, but it's communicating and i feel like sometimes you right. have to work on other areas before they can actually write like talking discussing right. there's all these other pieces like when i accept assignments that are audio files and they're not papers sure. sometimes i always I say there's criticism but yeah. you know it's a stepping stone to being able to write the paper i always try to try to make them understand that there's music in words if you say them right yeah and if you start to hear that music in your head you can you can apply it better. Like, like if you start a sentence with a time word, right? There's always going to be a comma in the sentence, right? After I went home, I had dinner, right? There's music in that. After I went home, comma, I had dinner. That perfect pause is right there. So I try to get them to recite that music when they say, they say words too, because it changes the way they think about them. 
you know? Yeah. 100%. So amazing. Well, we appreciate you coming today and we got to learn a lot of cool things. Um, where can people follow you if they want to follow your TikTok? Because I know we were oh, talking about it. Sure. So uh, sure. if you're on TikTok, follow Punk Rock Professor Rick. And I also have a Facebook page called Punk Rock Professor Rick. And um, yeah. And soon I'm going to have a website up called educationwithrick.com. So that's almost ready to go. And uh, yeah, you can absolutely follow me there. I hope everybody will follow me there. Um, no, it's awesome. He's he's super engaging. I highly recommend you follow. Thank you. Check, thank out, you. His, check out his pages. Thank yeah, you. his I TikToks are really good. Thank you. I send your TikToks to my students when they're having... When I'm commenting on papers, I see these issues. I'm like, oh, Rick did a TikTok on that. I'm like, oh, here's the link. Go check this out. Oh, that's I'm always, not as TikTok savvy as you. That's always a that's <laughs> always a moment when I see a student making that same little mistake. And I'm like, oh, I have a TikTok about that. Why don't you watch this? <laughs> <laughs> I know it would be easier. I think it's easier to refer someone else's TikTok than like my own to, if I was doing it myself. But... Gotta self-promote. Gotta self-promote. Yeah. <laughs> I know, the uh, self-promote. We got this. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Awesome. So definitely encouraging. And we, you know, we appreciate you being here with us to talk about accessibility in higher education. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Yes Day Inclusion. To leave us a voice message, please use the provided link because we'd love to hear from you.